star-faring people. Yeah. No, that was yeah. good. I, I like that one. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I still haven't landed on it. <laughs> we are the Architects of Entropy, and this is Season 2, Episode 10. Woohoo! We've made it! We've made... No, I'm sorry. That's wrong. That was last episode. <laughs> well done. Uh, <laughs> this is Season 2, Episode 11. We Woo! made it. <laughs> we made it even harder. <laughs> and well, the reason that we're all so out of sorts is uh, that uh, it might have been two weeks for you, but it's been a few months for us as our lives have been eaten up by uh, lots of other things. So we are still playing Scum and Villainy. That's the game we're playing. We are in the uh, in the midst of, a, of, of the beginning of a new job. And once again, we are missing Scott. Doc Cheever will uh, continue to not be on this job, but we will pick him back up again and uh, find out what he's been up to in the uh, who knows how much time will pass uh, during this job. So... John is here. Hello, John. Hello, everyone. Jilly is Hi. back. Yay. And we have Rick. Howdy. All right. So, well, you know what? Let's cut the up top banter and just get right into things because we had a lot to recap uh, and uh, it, it has been a while. So as we left the crew of the Steadfast, they were starting a new job. They had completed the run with Orthelios Sarth, the knight of the Comet Society, uh, reuniting him with his ship, the Epiphany, and uh, a couple of new crew members who uh, will be possibly joining him on his crusade to bring justice to the universe or whatever the hell they do. Uh, after that, you made your way to the Meeting point for your second job in the possibility sector, which is just running some cargo for amalgamated train enterprises. That's really it. You're just taking a thing from one place to another place. Couldn't be simpler. However, you're taking a top secret thing that you're picking up as secretly as possible and bringing it to another place as discreetly as possible in a certain amount of time with the package remaining completely pristine. And... To make matters worse, you have also been contacted by a, another group, Mortel and Associates, a group of uh, freelance spies and shadowy fixers who generally do subcontracted work for other mega corporations, and they have asked you to bring them the package once you have it, and they'll give you a little bit more cred. So that gave you a big choice to make of whether or not you wanted to at least try to do a job uh, somewhat on the up and up, considering there was enough cloak and dagger involved in it initially, rather than just immediately screw over the biggest client you've worked for yet and make uh, some pretty nasty enemies. So uh, you decided that it's best to just do the job you've been given and let Mortel and Associates figure out their own business. Uh, so you have gotten the package, have learned a couple of things. Uh, one, that the uh, lead architect of the project seems to be under the impression that whatever this thing is, it's not ready for whatever deployment it's being given. And two, that this is some kind of massive, likely quantum computer that they are having you transport. Oh, boy. So, having weaseled a little bit of information out of Dr. Ferris, you have made your way back out of the huge cylindrical 
space station known as Blue Sky Station. So taking a little while to get out of the station, once you hit space, you plug in a route through your nav comp using the dark hyperspace lane maps that you uh, have. These are potentially risky routes through hyperspace that can be shortcuts, uh, or sometimes they can lead into, you know, horrible unknown traps. Beginning the job itself mechanically was when we made our engagement roll, which decides how tough the first obstacle is going to be, and uh, rolled a two, which basically put you in a desperate situation from the jump. That was so good of us. <laughs> As Muffin uh, plotted in the course through the nav computer, all of a sudden a ship appeared in front of them, uh, which was a bounty hunter ship that is called the Star Stepper. Uh, captain by a very polite gentleman who referred to himself as Captain Keth said that there is a bounty on your ship and that he uh, is going to have to come and seize the cargo. So we're going to pick things up right back there. I'm afraid we're going to have to take your cargo. Oh, um, well, isn't this a uh, interesting development? I'm going to have to decline. Well, I understand. Uh, like I said, this is nothing personal. It's just that whatever you have is uh, being claimed by someone else who is paying a lot of money for us to get it, I'm assuming, back for them. So you will be feeling in just a moment a little bit of a pinch on the side of your ship as our grab hook will be uh, grabbing on to your ship to hold you in place so we can dock and just come in and talk and, and just work this out. This doesn't have to be a hostile situation anyway. Like I said, we're all professionals here. I'm sure we can work something out. So, the immediate situation is this. You are obviously in the ship. There is a literal arm that comes down from the bottom of the bounty hunter ship uh, and is going to attach to your ship. This is a commonplace thing for these kind of ships. It's a less elegant tractor beam. Can I attempt to dodge it? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was let's uh, let's let's talk about this. <laughs> and I'll also tell you as you look down at the nav computer, you see basically your hyperdrive should be spooling up, but it's being very, very, very sluggish about it. Like it's just there's like a progress bar that's starting to go, and it's like, meh, 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 meh. oh no, we've been interdicted. <laughs> it's one of a couple things. It could be either there's something interfering with it, or this hyperspace lane is making your nav computer go, ugh. <laughs> I don't know if I like this. I don't want to die. Yeah. So what's everyone want to do right now? What is the immediate plan? Tristan, knowing that he can't outrun these guys, is going to kick in the engines and attempt to dodge the graph hook by by uh, moving in real close to the to the ship. Interesting. Okay. Anybody else doing anything or uh, or wanting to do anything while this is going? And say, you know, I'm gonna pop the panel on the nav computer and take a look and see if uh, there's something wrong that needs to be repaired. Okay. Remy, do you have anything you want to do, or you are are I'm you uh, keep, keeping I'm, yourself I'm in keep... reserve? I'm going to hold myself in reserve by just, you know, nodding politely and listening to this guy tell me how I'm going to get hijacked. Okay, cool. Muffin, what action would you like to use to do this? I think this would be a helm action. Helm makes the most sense. 
I'm just going to lay down the actions and the stakes uh, before people roll and decide, you know, what order of events, order if they, if they want to do this at the same time or the other. It, one might not have any impact on the other, but Zemgis, what are you planning on rolling? Uh, I was planning on using rig. Rig, okay. Both of these things make a lot of sense. So uh, what I'm going to say, Tristan, is I am going to call this, this is definitely risky, and I will start this out for limited effect because the grav hook is already in the process of getting close to you. Yep. And for your role, Zemgis, I am going to also call this risky for standard effect. Yeah, it's risky because this is a, a funky programming, mm -hmm. and there might actually be nothing wrong with it, but you might actually make something wrong with it. So, right. now yours might take a little bit more time. So, I will start with Muffin. You're looking at a risky limited effect, which means if you succeed, you will be able to escape the immediate grasp of it, but it could try again. It's still within range to try again at limited effect, so... Okay, I am going to spend two stress to push myself. Okay, you're pushing for an extra die or a raising effect. Oh, I could raise effect with that. Also, someone can assist in some way. They can spend a stress to give you an extra die. Sure, I'll help with that. Okay. And the other thing that we actually had discussed last time was it, and I will allow you to, in this situation, if you want to trade position for effect. So basically saying like, okay, in this situation, if I want to do this to make it a desperate, I could raise this to standard by making this a desperate action. Obviously, the consequence of failure is that this thing is just going to grab a hold of you and have your ship. In a desperate action, it's going to be worse. Alright. So I think Tristan's going to ask Remy to hit their sensors with our laser rage finder, which will make it harder for them to target us. Okay. I will jam them. Yep. Okay. That will be your spending a stress. So that gives you an extra die. And then he is going to really kick in the engines to the point where they're straining and they might burst as part of pushing himself to trade <laughs> position for that. You do that every time. All right. So uh, you can mark an XP for a desperate action. Yep. So that's uh, three dice. All right, let's do it. Three dice is pretty good. Woo! Okay. All right, go ahead and One, make that roll. Two, three, and I and I give you the highest number, right? Right. Yep. You're gonna roll three dice. Tell me what the highest number is. Well, Patrick, six. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a six. Okay. Please describe what happens as you avoid having this thing clamp onto you and get out of its way. I give him the raspberry. <laughs> you do. Tristan reaches over. He grabs he grabs the engine throttle control and pushes it all the way up. We've never pushed this throttle all the way up. This engine is ancient. This immediate whining, grinding sound that comes from the engines as the ship shoots forward darts underneath ship. Just as the body hunters are about to lock their graph hook on, the ship pivots downwards 90 degrees and shoots away from the bounty hunter ship fast enough that the inertial dampeners on the ship can barely keep up. We are now shooting at a 90 degree angle from the ship below them. Okay, and while this 
incredible heroic piloting is going on, Zemgus uh, rips open the nav computer and starts messing with us. <laughs> so let's go ahead. I believe this was going to be just a risky standard. Yep. And uh, so let's uh, let's talk through the process of how you're doing this, and we'll uh, we'll go. First things first, I'm going to push myself for an extra die. Yep. And then um, I'm thinking you do have a gambit in your pool. Well, I'm thinking of making this a desperate action for greater effect. Oh boy. <laughs> And so just so you know, I the consequence of you failing a desperate roll to yeah, yeah, do, yeah, to invest with your nav computer is you will not have access to your nav computer for a certain amount of time. Well, just I can't yeah. think of a, another way. To, Hold on, that's actually less bad than I thought it was going to be. I, I, I love mean, you all won't this. be able this to to leave the the system. Hold, hold on, <laughs> I'm not done yet. For now, I'm thinking that an appropriate devil's bargain might be. Whatever I do, the system will not be operational afterwards. It will. It may jump once, and it won't be operational, or it won't jump, and it won't be operational. Okay. <laughs> I can't say no to that. As a matter of fact, yeah, I yeah, and uh, I, I think that is a fine devil's bargain. Um, as, and so that'll be an extra die. You'll get an extra die. <laughs> so two extra dice, so I'm up to three dice, and it's desperate. So if you're successful, you will make the jump you will be on the jump route, basically. Uh, that starts here and ends at the uh, Vaklov system. All right. And I'm thinking if there's a complication or something, we might have somewhere completely different. Yeah. Can I also uh, take that gambit to increase the odds or not? Yeah. Uh, if you would like to take that gambit and uh, the other two people are uh, are okay with it. Sound good, folks? I'd be rolling four dice that Do way. Hey, go off with your bad self. All right. Okay, cool. Enough preamble, enough foreplay. Let's see that roll. Two, three, five, six. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. I got to say, I was loving the idea of you having to partner up with the Star Stepper to get this done because it's in the, the range of possibility. Or you just get captured. I don't know. Yeah, so this is what happens. Tristan's uh, amazing piloting move gets you basically past the ship and you hear over the comms, Come on, guys. Really? Are we going to do this? We are faster than you. We have weapons. I don't want to use them. Oh, I don't... What, what's even happening? I, what's going on? What are you seeing? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm rolling around on the ground, and I'm like, okay, everyone, buckle in. I think I got it going to the right place. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you see Zemkis's feet underneath the nav computer. Uh, you see wires flying up. As you're doing this, you're looking down Tristan going, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> and you're like, this is not what you're supposed to do to a nav computer. And just as you get to the bottom, this exchange is starting to happen between Kath and Remy. Zemgus just slams his hand into the, uh, the nav computer. And then the progress bar goes... And then an alarm goes off. <laughs> and then you jump. <laughs> and you are in hyperspace. So the nav computer is basically telling you that it is working. You're in a jump, but you can tell that when this jump terminates, your nav computer will be down for the count. Yeah, that's going to be damage to engines. Oh, no. So that will like will need to be repaired. How that is going to translate right now is that yeah, you just don't you don't have access to the jump drive until you can repair it. Obviously, you you're uh, you can still fly around in space from here to there. Now, 
I would like someone to make me a single die fortune roll. I, mean, I feel like it's Jill's turn to make a roll, right? Okay. I can do that. Crack open my my dice egg. All right, sparkly die. Do not fail me. Five. Okay. All right, that is good. So this means that according to what remains to be functioning of your nav computer, uh, this jump is going to take you uh, about two days, which is pretty good considering you are going a direct route in a place that doesn't have a direct route normally. This will obviously uh, have a little bit of an effect on the timetable, but not as much uh, as an effect as it possibly could have. Your clock isn't full. Um, but it's it's getting a lot a little bit more full. So how this normally transpires under normal situations is that you just kind of sit in hyperspace until your ride is done. However, dark hyperspace lanes can be a little bit different. Things can happen in hyperspace. Right now, it's okay. Looking outside of the viewports, um, well, you know what? Uh, yeah, uh, tell me what traveling through hyperspace normally looks like, guys. So it's a roiling darkness with uh, purple and black and streaks of blue in it. And uh, occasionally you'll see like lights, but those are like from places, probably from other exits and stuff that you just zoom past. Mm -hmm. And when you come out of your jump, you, you're approaching one of those lights. Okay. That sounds, yeah, that makes sense. Like yeah, it's just like kind of gets brighter. Yeah. Okay. So it, it, it's pretty much looking like that. What I will say is that the dark is a little darker and the light is a little lighter. And any kind of patterns seem a little bit more chaotic. It's, you know, it's like the difference between, you know, driving on a, a highway and an access road. It's just like, eh, this is a little bit choppier. It's, you know, it's not as well taken care of. Uh, it'll get you there, but, you know, it's not going to be as smooth as a well-tended highway. There's probably, like, currents in the uh, hyperspace and, like, in the dark ones, it's just rougher. Almost like turbulence, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. You've heard stories of creatures uh, existing in hyperspace sometimes. And those of you who use the warp have heard stories of the altering of uh, reality, entropy, probability. Sometimes the effects or consequences shift into other dimensions or, uh, or you know, eddies like hyperspace. So sometimes someone might have worked a warp effect that shifted reality one place and the other side, the other wave travels through hyperspace. So weird shit can happen in hyperspace. Look, when you travel in the back roads, monsters are possible. Yeah. So this is, uh, this is kind of where you are right now. That worked. I can't believe that worked. That worked. <laughs> I, I believed in you. I believed in you every second. We're going to live. Good, good flying, Muffin. Good flying. For now. Oh. Okay. 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 We'll probably live. We might live. No, we're probably gonna live. It's just, we now have, uh, new, almost friends. Oh, they're probably not gonna be happy with us, are they? N no, absolutely not. In fact, we should, uh, count on seeing them again. Well, I mean, once we deliver this thing, they're not gonna need to talk to us again, right? Uh, they're gonna want to talk to us again. There is a bounty on our ship, not on the cargo we carry. The ship. Oh, I thought they were after our cargo. Well, they were, but the easiest yeah. way to 
get the cargo is to get the ship. Yeah, but once we drop off the cargo, there'll be no reason to have the bounty, right? Um, well, yeah, because money is good. Yeah, look, they're bounty hunters, so if we need to settle up with them, we could probably just buy them off. That's usually the way they work, unless we slighted them in some way. and Yeah, just the price gets higher, right? <laughs> Depends on how prideful the captain is. Hmm. My point stands that, you know, bounty hunters are uh, usually not willing to let their quarry go so easily. We'll be seeing him again. Let's just prepare for that. But we'll put a pin in it because we have a delivery to make. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're good to go. What could go wrong? Lots. Why would you say that? Even I know better than to say that. You don't ask the question if you don't want the answer. Who says I don't want the answer? It is kind of weird that there was a bounty just kind of out of nowhere. You do, I mean, you do know that someone was expecting to hear from you mm-hmm. before you left the system. So it is reasonable to imagine that Mortel, you know, kind of had that oh, as absolutely. a backup plan. It makes sense. No, that's that's exactly what I thought happened. Yeah, yeah. They had a 95% certainty that we were going to ghost them, and they wouldn't have to pay us if, you know, the bounty hunter brought the cargo in. Yeah. You gotta think they probably would be paying the bounty hunters much less. But who knows? I mean, they'd be paying the bounty hunters less. I mean, they could offer us pie in the sky and then be like, hey, take them in. Ha ha, yeah. I mean, that's what I would do if I were an unethical megal corporation. That's so cold. How could they? If you were, I thought you were. Uh, me? Yeah, you, personally. No, no I'm just a humble servant of fate. Understood. So, uh, Zemkis, you were messing with the hyperspace computer, and are you sure it's going to take us out where we wanted to go? Yeah, yeah, it just put us, you know, I wasn't sure exactly what was wrong with it, so I sent a surge through here, and then a surge through there, and instinctually I knew exactly what to do. Don't worry about it, we're, we're good to go. We're going... That's good, that's, that's good, because I've never even seen this error code. <laughs> oh, well, don't worry about it. <laughs> error codes... <laughs> You might not remember specifically doing something like this before, but you're pretty sure you've probably done something like this many times. <laughs> yeah. It felt kind of instinctual. Yeah. Uh, Tristan, on the other hand, this is an incredibly, incredibly bad thing for most normal people to do. Yeah. And maybe he's just magic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I figured, you know, if something was getting in the way of our uh, jumping, then the, the thing to do was to send more power through it. What? Wait, what? <laughs> did you just... Yeah, Muffin, you gave it more power. There's no possible way that should work. It worked. Don't worry about it. I'm going to worry about it, because eventually we're going to need to use this again. Oh, we'll Muffin, fix it if you want to go check the math, check, check, <laughs> check the math. I would, but as you can see here by this error code, all the NavCom's memory has been fried. There's no math to check. I've got a good feeling about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, essentially, I, I, I would imagine the thing that really needs to be done is that you need to basically put it all back together and then yeah. just do a hard reset, which yeah. just, you know, once you do that, everything will be, it should be, should be fine. But as you, you know, you can probably, if, you, if you're looking at his work, it looks like miraculously nothing is like burnt up and destroyed in there. It's just kind of like spaghettified for the moment. Like, can't you just get the backup from the cloud or whatever? 
Not entire Kuiper space. No. <laughs> and, yeah, the great distances everything handles at, there's really no cloud. <laughs> That's not a thing. That's... All right, look, look, we're just going to... We're going to ride this until the NAVCOP shuts off. Yeah. Theoretically, it will shut off where we want to be. And then and then I guess we'll fix it. Everything's going to be fine. Look, Everything is fine. Everything's I'm fine. fine. How are you? Good. That's See, great. When... I'm going to be in my bunk. <laughs> just pull a captain move. It's like, yeah, that's great. All right, I'll be in my bunk. <laughs> Go read a book or something. Remy goes off to the place they've squirreled off to uh, keep themselves. Uh, yeah, I believe that Doc is living in wherever livestock had been stored. He yes. trucked <laughs> in this thing. And that, and that a, Remy, you, you, scientist realm. you probably have taken the uh, uh, little cubby that Crescendo had. Yeah, it just seems fair. I mean, you are the captain. I guess. Uh, you know. In name. Yeah, so, yeah, things kind of go on like that for a while. So for about, you know, the better part of the next 24 hours, it's pretty uneventful. Hyperspace is, the look of it is is pretty much staying, you know, as the same. You're not getting any kind of, uh, any kind of readings from the engines themselves. The engines are, are, are trucking right along. The jump drive is, is, is functioning. I think we're going to live, guys. Malvin, do you want something to take your mind off of it, off of this? This impossible no. situation? That you seem to find yourself in. I'm glad you acknowledge that this is very strange. Well, it's good to set expectations up front. Come here. I want you to try to play cards. <laughs> okay. Now, this is what we call a hand. This is a number I know of... what a hand is. Oh, all right. Annie up. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> what is the the game of chance that Remy is usually playing? I know it, it seemed kind of like something like initially like kind of a cross between like a poker and a and a tarot card reading. Yeah, basically. Okay, <laughs> that's awesome. You know, we deal out five cards. You get to pick which ones that you're going to try to make your make your way with, and from what's discarded, Remy will tell you a what you did wrong with your hand and what you're doing wrong with your life. Oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Well, I mean, I mean, what we're doing wrong. I mean, it could also be a uh, fun, uh, insightful teaching experience. Because you know, tarot cards. Oh. I mean, that's the same thing that tarot cards do. But instead of you know telling you what you're doing wrong with your life, they'll tell you what you're about to do wrong with your life. Oh. <laughs> Please don't come at us at the comments. Uh, that was a really bad explanation, all you tarot card reading listeners. Yeah, well, I, you know, you, I, I, if, if we get anything, I'll, you'll be the first to know. <laughs> Might be the key to improving our uh, our listening is just <laughs> maybe piss off yeah, maybe we should people. just start pissing people off because you know people more people will listen to things they don't like. I found. Well, you got to make it controversial, not just pissing people off. So some people will really like it. Other people will really not like it, and they'll just talk a lot about it, shouting at each other on the internet. Mm. They'll get your likes up. Yeah, see, no problem. Oof. All right, so, like I said, the first day will pass uneventfully, and as you guys are bunking down for the night, Zemkin, mm-hmm. where are you usually uh, bunked down in the ship? I think I'm actually just in a hammock, probably in the cargo space somewhere. Okay. Uh, I literally just, when I go to bed, I just take me and all my possessions and lay in the hammock. 
Okay. When I'm awake, I'll, I'll probably be up in the cockpit just keeping an eye on the error codes, making sure there's still some similar to ones I... Mm-hmm. That, that they feel right. Mm-hmm. That the error codes feel right. Yeah, so you are sleeping peacefully in the hammock. Um, you are kind of trussed up in like a corner of uh, the main cargo space area, which is largely empty with the exception of in the middle of the cargo bay strapped down with every loose thing away from it the big metal box that is this uh big computer or or something and you are awoken by a noise it sounds like a almost metallic sounding voice for lack of a better word but it is very very muffled and it almost sounds like a scream. Hello? Uh, you wake and look around and you just see the big box. Uh, nothing else. I'll go over to the box. Hello? And then you hear it again, but a little bit. You can almost make out, almost like speech. And then it stops again. I'm going to put my hand on the box and attune to it to try and understand it. Already! (laughs) We are going to call this a uh, risky, just a risky for standard effects. You are trying to uh, open up your sensibility to the warp and uh, see what's going on in in, in this box. Uh, I'm not pushing myself or anything else. I got a five. Okay. You put your hand on the box and open up your mind to the warp itself. And for a moment, there is nothing. Like nothing at all. Which is weird. Mm -hmm. But then you hear and feel a presence. And the presence is very cold. It's like a cold but sharp feeling going almost directly into your mind. Mm-hmm. Can you hear me? And as the voice is penetrating your mind, you will take a level one harm, uh, psychically scratched. Okay. Oh, no. Yeah, I already have a nasty scratch. Yeah, um, so you have a nasty physical scratch. This is a nasty mental scratch, I guess. Yeah, uh, why don't I try to resist this? Is that resolve? Okay. That would be, uh, yeah, that would be resolve. So you're going to take right. six stress minus whatever you roll. All right. Uh, I rolled a five. Okay, so you'll take one stress. You instinctually harden your senses. As this voice is hitting you, It is, it's just wrong. Almost like its very existence is wrong. So you kind of are able to kind of properly shield yourself. Mm-hmm. As it says, uh... I... Where am I? Where am I? Where is this? Who are you? What is happening? Slow down. If you keep interrupting yourself, I can't even answer your questions. Are we good now so that I can start answering? Answer. <laughs> Very well. My name is Zemkis. And we are on the way to the Baklov system. Uh, I believe you are in our cargo bay. 
Who are you? I am not. I don't. I am. I don't. Not enough. Not enough. Are you a program? No. Were you alive? And then, in answer to that question, you feel another kind of wave of psychic pressure. Okay. Coming from this, whatever this is. All right, I'll cut off then and just not talk to it anymore. All righty, so you cease your connection with it, and it gets quiet. All right. I'm going to go up to the cockpit, away from the cargo bay, because I don't want to be near this thing. And uh, is there there anybody in the cockpit this time? Uh, That's a good question. Depends on what time it is. Yeah, it's just probably like you're talking dead of night. You know, one of you might be up. I'll let you guys decide. I think we might do it in just when we're in dark hyperspace just because something could happen. Okay. Yeah, that probably makes sense. There is nothing that Remy likes more than sleeping. Okay. All right, so Muffin, you're awake. (laughs) Yay. As I leave the cargo hold, I will put a a piece of paper and I'll tape it onto the thing. Do not enter creepy voice in box. <laughs> and then I will go to the cockpit. Okay. And uh, I'll sit down. Um, stay out of the cargo hold until we make the delivery. Uh, why? Uh, there's something in the box that is... And follow my tone with this. I'm going to... Alive? I'm going to be alive. It's strong personality. It may be a program. It may be... That can't be a program. It, it could be dead. I don't. I don't know. Programs can't be people. So this is bringing in a very interesting kind of world building question, which which I will throw out there because, you know, not necessarily saying what this is or isn't, but you know, it's a computer, and there appears to be some kind of perhaps consciousness in the universe we've created. There are sentient AIs. Oh, are there? Yeah, there are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are sending. Okay, yep, okay. it's it's uh, there are sending AIs. Uh, and there's a variety of like there's the uh, the kind of hierarchy of artificial people from just automatons to hardwired uh, AIs to physical AI people who who have mm-hmm. uh, consciousness and bodies and operate as people essentially. So. Um, given that this is a universe where we have opened up to mystical powers that are quasi-scientific in nature, um, where they're, you know, I, I don't think anything is necessarily unnatural based on kind of yeah. how we've created it. How would AIs factor into that? Do there be artificial people who can access the warp? Ooh. That's a good question. I actually love that possibility. What I'm going to throw out there is, sure, that could be possible. Has it been discovered yet? No. Maybe it's theoretical. It's theoretical. Mm-hmm. That would be my guess. It's like, yeah, it's possible. We haven't actually done it. We're not sure it's a good idea to do it, but, you know, that would be my thing out there. That might be something we discover in actual play. So uh, getting back to the conversation, if, if assuming people mm-hmm. are good with yeah. that. Yeah, um, yeah, no, no problem. I just wanted to throw that out yeah. there. Um, so we're kind of entering that territory. Yep. All right, so let me rephrase first. Sure. They didn't say we were going to be hauling an AI, did they? Um, they did hint at something like, he's not ready yet. Oh. So, we'll use the term he. Got very angry when I suggested he might be a program. And, correct me if I'm wrong, Pat, but uh, this presence didn't feel anything like any droid or anything that I've ever encountered before. It felt more alien. Yeah, I would say that it wasn't entirely dissimilar okay. to connecting with some kind of artificial thing, but... 
there was definitely a quality in it that seemed not right. Okay. Yep. And definitely seemed dangerous. All right. So I'm going to go with the assumption that I'm making, which is going to be totally way off base, but it did not feel anything like any of the other programmable entities that I have ever touched their minds of. I kind of look puzzled at that because it's like my memory doesn't go back that far, It's but it's something that's like seems right. I almost think it's a marrying of artificial intelligence and a, a dead being. It's not good. It's ghost. It's, it's alien. It's scary. We don't want to talk with it. We probably don't want to take it wherever it's supposed to be. We probably want to drop it in a sun somewhere. <laughs> Well, we can't do that, or we'll be in a whole heap of trouble. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm not saying that we don't deliver it. I'm just saying bad things are going to happen when we do. Maybe not to us. Oh. Yeah. There's a reason the pay was good. So, um... So let's just stay out of the cargo hold. Yeah. I'm going to spend the rest of my night here in the in the uh, co-pilot seat trying to sleep that off. Yeah, I'm sure it reclines a certain amount. Yeah. Muffin will let him stand the watch then. <laughs> okay. Because, yeah. <laughs> He's going to lock his cabin door <laughs> and have nightmares about a roaming artificial intelligence that... So now, when we say cabin door, I will once again point out that this ship does not have quarters, per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have squirreled some part of the ship away where you are uh, now, if that is the engine room. <laughs> yep, the engine <laughs> yeah. room. <laughs> that would make sense. Okay, so, pawn the next morning. Uh, yeah, morning. And, you know, these yeah. morning in space is whenever you want rotation. it to be. When you're all, yeah, the next rotation. There we go. Mm-hmm. You will notice that the light on the, you know, kind of the other end of this route, it's getting brighter from where you're heading. But you'll also notice that it makes everything going behind you darker. Hmm. And about midway through the day, let's say, uh, Remy, yes, you are kind of sitting in your in your little nook. There's a little terminal in there that is Crescendo's computer. Awesome. I've already read through his live journal and hacked into his Facebook. Yeah. Oh no. Well, there's a whole thing with that. It's, it's like kind of a side asset or project or something to. Uh, oh, sweet. Okay. All to right. go through and get information out of it if you wish. Um, it's kind of a standing thing, but um, oh, that's, that's you know, going through it is almost a insane. Uh, it's almost like a, a just. It's a mess, um, but it is usable. I mean, you can still you know you know make your own notes or whatever. Um, there's still space in it, but you are you know just kind of coming back online for the day, essentially, just kind of uh, waking up and getting your bearings as to as to where you are, and you will notice that the screen on the terminal, which, you know, most of the time is probably not on, is uh, just very, very bright and the just light just kind of it's it's illuminating the room in a way that at first oh. when you wake up, it's almost like it's like, oh, the sun is out and you're like, we're in hyperspace and I don't have a window. <laughs> so Something's wrong. Oh my god. And you look and you notice that the screen is just like solid whitish light and there is a kind of very faint movement on the screen well carol ann's gonna look at the light today folks <laughs> <laughs> Righty. Oh, so no. uh, you're getting closer to it 
Yeah, you know, we're going to do the whole, like, reach out and touch somebody, E.T.'s phoning home, that sort okay. of thing. Okay, so you reach out towards the screen of uh, Crescendo's terminal, and you will notice it's just fields of data that are crisscrossing the screen. Um, there's lines of codes that are going vertical and horizontal at the same time, and just filling the screen where the light is actually just the pixelated characters of all this code uh, just streaming at once, which is beyond what this little terminal should be able to do. And then eventually, as you get closer, you will see almost like a face start to appear in the terminal. Oh. That's not great. Uh. Muffin! Like, there's just a muffin, muffin, muffin! Yeah? Get in here! Uh, what is it? My terminal's possessed! <laughs> what, what, what? Move! Move your Zemkis! Zemkis, get up to the cockpit! <laughs> and Muffin moves to the cockpit as well. <laughs> All right, what's going on? I'm I'm here. Her terminal's possessed. Ah! That's not good. There's, there's just there's just there there's just screaming. There's <laughs> just there's just no no. The weave has come to get me. It's 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 you know this is this is my time. I'm yep. Yeah, right, you how gotta I calm die. down. I'm good at you to calm down. What? Please stop screaming. We, you think we could just depower it? <laughs> Are you all in the room now? Are you yes, heading to we are in the yeah. room okay, where yeah. it happens? And Remy's on her bed, like standing on her bed, like like somebody saw a roach or a mouse, and just pointing at the thing, going, going faces, faces in the data, faces in the terminals. Ah, uh, that's it. I'm space crazy. I'm space crazy. This is. <laughs> Uh, get me so what do we see tub. when we look at the terminal, Pat? Yeah, as I described, you see um, um, just luminescent lines of code crisscrossing this computer that are that are beginning to form at first very rudimentary face shape, uh, you know, just oval shaped head holes for where eyes would be, uh, where nostrils would be, where a mouth would be, and then it fills in more where uh, like a hairline would be, and where eyebrows would be, and where this uh, big bushy mustache would be. Well, if it was a face, and then the sound coming out of the speakers, Zemgis, you will recognize right away as that same kind of very kind of crazed metallic sounding voice and instead of coming directly through the warp into your mind it's it's coming just out over the speakers so it is uh, less of a psychic assault and more of just a really annoying sound as the face forms it eventually becomes an image of a middle-aged man with this kind of medium length uh, scraggly brown and mostly gray hair Uh, a big bushy mustache he has very like kind of close set smallish eyes Uh, his face is very angular filling in underneath him almost like Max Hedrum style you see a uh, classic business suit style that is not in fashion now but almost would appear almost like 20th 21st century like we would kind of see Showstopper. Uh, that is. Is that correct? 
That would be me. Captain Blaylock is currently indisposed, uh, running afoul of the law. I'm Remy Moreau. Who do I have the pleasure of speaking with? Remy Moreau. Ambler. Shyster. Excuse me. Con artist. Excuse me. This is true, but how do you know that? Read the files. What? Files. Yeah, what files? You have seen some of the files he had on you guys. Like he had, he had done research on you and and anybody else who had like answered his little ads. Yeah. I mean, those files aren't intent. I mean, they're not one hundred percent accurate. What are you doing in our computer? This is the only other place I can go. You are Tristan Obadiah. Wait, a betrayed union vessel, the Obadiah. Skilled engineer, but completely out of your depth in social situations. Hey! <laughs> hey, that's just not true. He will be a useful asset as long as you can deal with his unfettered, annoying optimism. <laughs> what? I like you. No, no, but honey, honey, it, 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 I mean, it, it's it's true, but I mean, your unfettered optimism is is a is a bit of a uh, a rarity around these parts. I think it's refreshing. Can we get back to what you're doing in our computer instead of you know the computer we brought you in? I am reconstructing. Wait, wait. Reconstructing identity. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Consciousness. Excuse, excuse, wait, hold on a minute. Did you just say computer we brought you in? What is this? Uh, I'm pretty sure this is that personality that Zemgus found. Zemgus? I'm sorry. What? Did something happen while I was asleep? Yeah, I left a note on the cargo bay, Dory. You didn't see it? I, I haven't been out of my room yet. Oh, um, yeah, there's... Where are uh, we? Where are we? There was a creepy presence in the uh, box that we were transporting. It tried to damage my mind. It's this guy. I am not a creepy presence. <laughs> I am a man. Uh, well, I mean... I do kind of... not appreciate being referred to as a creepy presence. I am a very accomplished, very intelligent captain of industry. Ah, my apologies, sir. All right, captain of industry, do you have a name? I am Dr. Mateus Faust, CEO, Faust Mining. Well, how can that be? Do we and know like, they up? just turn and look at... So, I would say anyone who has knowledge of corporate history would know that the company that became Amalgamated Technology Enterprises... The company that it initially sprang from was Faust Mining, which was an earth-based heavy industrial mining concern that was one of the first companies to start heavy industry on other planets. They were rumored to be at the foot of companies that really, really helped destroy what was the planet Earth, amongst, you know, obviously many others. Matthias Faust 
was a very early adopter of interstellar technology with his raw knowledge of xenogeology, essentially. Like, he was uh, almost like a uh, prodigy, kind of like what George Hurst was to gold. This guy was to, like, ores of elements that had yet to be discovered and, you know, uh, the man the ground talked to kind of thing. He's kind of a legend, but he's also has been dead for centuries. <laughs> and now this displaced, once great Captain of Industry is sitting on a crazy old man's old computer and seems to be quite, quite concerned about not being it anymore. And that is at the point where the ship all of a sudden is rocked by something. The whole thing just kind of shudders. You think you're probably on the verge of coming out of hyperspace, but it doesn't seem to be the schedule you're expecting it to be. Uh, what the hell? And then that is where we will leave things oh, for no. today. <laughs> oh. So, uh, what's going on? Who is this guy? What's happening in this ship? Are they getting out of hyperspace? Where are they? What's going to happen next? I kind of don't really know. We'll see you in a couple weeks, though, and find out. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.